Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ali Awad, the CEO lawyer. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Ali Awad, also known as at CEO Lawyer on social media. And he is a successful lawyer and entrepreneur with his own multi-million dollar law firm, Ali Awad Law, and media company where he teaches lawyers, doctors, and other professionals how to brand themselves digitally and generate clients through social media. Uh, we're gonna have a great conversation about entrepreneurship and all that good stuff here in just one second. But first, really quickly, if you're a podcaster or you are a guest on podcasts and you are looking to do more of one of those things, then head over to guestio.com. It's a software my team and I recently put out. It's basically like a marketplace for high-level podcast hosts and guests to connect with each other and create more amazing content for their audiences. So guestio.com, be sure to head over there, check it out, create a free profile and browse through all of the amazing people that we have listed over on that site. Ali, what is up, my man? Thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the show. Hey man, so happy to be here, Travis. Uh, like you said, I am Ali Awad, the CEO lawyer. My name is Awad because I get my clients a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it, 
Love it. Love the energy to start this bad boy off. So let's go ahead and rewind the clock here, man. And uh, talk to me about, let's say, 12-year-old Ali. What, what, what were you up to at the time? You know, what did your parents do? Where'd you grow up? Okay, 12-year-old Ali. That would put me in middle school, so like maybe sixth grade. In sixth grade, I was selling electronics on eBay. I was buying uh, amplifiers and air purifiers and even polo shirts from China and just posting them on eBay back when the eBay listing fees were really, really low. At one point, I made it was going up to $10,000 a week selling on eBay because I distinctly remember I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So I had to call my mom from the school and tell her, hey, I need you to pick me up because the post office closes at 455 and I need time to get home, package up these amplifiers and ship them to Germany, Italy, wherever they were. So that's what I was doing at 12 years old. Uh, my hilarious. mom, uh, you know, a stay-at-home mom taking care of six children. And my dad was running a mechanic shop. So in, in my off time, like when I'm not in school, I would be working at the mechanic shop. And around that time, so 12 years, no, like maybe 13 or 14 is when I started my uh, car audio business. But at that time, 12 years old, I was changing tires like every day. I probably changed over 10,000 sets of tires with my bare hands before I even got to college. That's what I was doing at 12 years old. So basically working and hustling since the time that you can remember. Did that entrepreneurship itch, was that natural for you? Or did your parents kind of cultivate that a little bit more? Your dad having, you know, running, like running his own mechanic shop and stuff like that? Or did you just kind of see that in him and want to mirror that? Where do you think that came from? Well, I'd say by age 12, I already had seven years of experience as an entrepreneur because uh, I started my first hustle when I was selling pictures, printed photos of Dragon Ball Z characters uh, in preschool. Uh-huh, so nice. I had this like one inch binder because, you know, it, when school starts in you know, elementary school, you can go to Walmart and all these other you know places and they have the list. I don't know if they do that in bigger towns, but I grew up in Dalton, Georgia. So it was a small town. You go to any local store and when it's back to school, they have the back to school sale. You go and you look at the one inch binders and here are all the things that you need for this specific classroom. Well, sometimes you could just buy an extra one inch binder because they had them on sale. You get those little plastic sleeves, right? So I would print off these color photos and uh, I would cut off the bottom where the URL would be so people wouldn't know my source, right? (laughs) And I would sell those to kids in preschool. So that was my, that was my hustle in preschool. Uh, But no, man, it was, it was really because this entrepreneurial spirit came from my dad, 100%, because he didn't become a citizen of the U.S. until 2017. This is like two or three years after I became an attorney. So growing up, we were always worried about, you know, my dad not being able to find a a stable job because he couldn't be a W-2 employee. Not everyone wanted to just hire a permanent resident. You know, was always worried about dealing with police officers and, you know, immigration and things like that. That was just something we, it was normal to deal with growing up. So my dad wanted to create something like a business, a mechanic shop, whatever it was, just so we had some source of revenue that we could rely on because he couldn't rely on getting a normal job. So yeah, we always, we was always scarce, right? There's always that scarcity mindset. You never know where your next, you know, dollar is going to come from. So it was definitely an eat what you kill in my household type of thing. Yeah. And I mean, your mom was the real hustler though, bro. I mean, six kids, stay-at-home mom, like that is crazy. (laughs) I have two kids and I am not a stay-at-home mom. And uh, let me tell you, bro, like that's, that's a whole thing by itself. So respect to all the moms out there. 
that are really? holding down the fort and, and freaking crushing it in, in that in that context. So what's interesting to me about your story, Ali, is that you had this like very, you know, bare bones hustler beginning, but then you end up going the more traditional type path and becoming an attorney. How did that happen? Why? All right. So 21-year-old Ali is finishing up his bachelor's degree at Kennesaw State. I got a bachelor's in English, Spanish, and Chinese. And by that time, at 21, I had already started and failed about seven different companies. Um, And I was working full-time in my car audio shop that we had in Town Center Mall in Kennesaw. And then we opened it to another uh, store right outside the mall. And I was honestly sick of just being a car audio salesman and a wheel guy. Like I had done so much in the wheel entire business. Like I was single-handedly selling more Vossen wheels in the entire Southeast region, just from my phone and my laptop. This was like a really, really high-end brand at the time. It still is even to this day. I just got sick of it, man. I got sick of the calls at two or three in the morning where a customer would be like, hey man, where'd my rims at, man? You know, my, my lug nut fell off. And, you know, I'd get sick of dealing with people that were very meticulous when it came to getting a paint job done. And there'd be like a little scratch or something on the window. It's like, hey, that wasn't there. Or, you know, people complaining that they're, they're getting a stereo system installed and all of a sudden their airbag light is on. I'm like, dude, I just replaced a speaker. Your airbag light was already on before we came in. So. <laughs> It was, it was just a bunch of bullshit, like every single day. And I, I just got fed up with it. And 21 yeah. year old Ali had to decide whether I wanted to be a car audio salesman for the rest of my life and just do this grind. Or if I wanted to pursue a different career that maybe I could work with my brain instead of my hands. Yeah. That was the biggest transition for me. My brother had already gone to law school. He was in his third year. He advised me, look, just go to law school you know, you're going to, you're going to find so many opportunities there. And to be honest, I didn't want to go to law school. That wasn't even a plan of mine. I just didn't want to be a car audio salesman. Gotcha. And the natural progression was, all right, well, I got an English degree, so I can't go to med school and I don't want to do all those biology classes over again. Probably can't do anything in the medical field because I don't have that background, that science background. So what degree can I get that gives me a lot of opportunities that's pretty much going to give me like an opportunity to start my own business and grow. I went to law school. Yeah. Took the LSAT, got a scholarship to go. And then uh, three years later, you know, at 24, graduated with my doctorate in law and master's in business. And uh, that's probably around the time where I started figuring out where I actually wanted to practice. It wasn't until like age 26 or 27 that I really figured it out, you know? And so big props to dad, man, for, for working and and putting you in that position, brother. That's that's the beauty of America right there, man. Is like you you get to like you get to like show your dad, you know, that I just think that's a really cool story, man. I'm having trouble articulating oh, it, but I I, Travis, I just think that's dude, awesome. I got I gotta tell you this, man. So I don't know why this just came into my mind, but you said props to my dad for let you know, like training me and hustling and, and teaching me this 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 whole Look, I wasn't planning on going to law school. I didn't want to be a lawyer. In fact, I distinctly remember telling my dad, please, I just finished college. Let me have one year off just to go and sell and hustle and start a business and just like make some money. And I will pay you $100,000 to let me not go to law school. I will pay you $100,000 to let me not go get my education. And he said, why would I trade $100,000 for a million? (laughs) So my dad had this vision. He knew that like, 
look, man, you think you're making money here. And like, you know, because I was flipping cars too. I was, you know, I got into some real estate later on. Like I always liked business and entrepreneurship, but he knew that that higher education was going to open up a lot more doors. And true enough, now the same hustle mentality that I have, there are so many people that have this same grind and ambition and perseverance and fortitude, but they're not in an industry that has that much profitability and opportunity. Yeah, right. Car salesmen, the best salesmen in the world are usually car salesmen. They will figure out a way to sell you something when you really, really don't even want it. You're just browsing, right? <laughs> real estate agents are always out there hustling. It's a two-week course so you know, to, to get a, a real estate agent license. So the, the, the barrier to entry is really, really low. There's all these different businesses. But if you spend enough time getting into an industry where the barrier to entry is high, now that grit and that fortitude and that perseverance and that salesmanship and that entrepreneurial background becomes so much more valuable. And that's yeah. something that I, I definitely credit my dad for because I didn't think about it at the time. And I'm really thankful that he guided me that way. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over one hundred and forty million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So talk to me about the initial steps when you came out of law school. Uh, like, did you, did you immediately start your own firm? Did you work somewhere else for a little bit to kind of get the ropes, uh, you know, uh, get, get a little bit uh, familiar with the business or anything like that? Or what, what, talk to me about that process. Okay. So I actually interviewed for over two, I, I interviewed to over 100 different law firms by the time I graduated law school. Wow. I even got an interview in Dubai. Like this law firm, it was a major international law firm flew me out to Dubai, put me up in a five-star hotel, like drove me in one of those, you know, fancy cars to their law firm. We spent the whole day interviewing, doing this group interview and then sent me back. And 
from all these interviews, I interviewed in, in different states, obviously in different countries. I've had interviews in multiple languages and nobody gave me a job. Like nobody wanted to hire me. I was unhirable because I, I had been an entrepreneur my whole life. So you could see right through that. When you hired me or you were interviewing me, you could tell I have this aggressive, this assertive personality and I'm here to dominate. I don't wanna be a subservient piece of shit employee that's just plugging in numbers every single day. Like that's not me, I'll do it if I have to, but just know I want a piece of the pie and yeah. big firms don't do that. They, they want you to be a cog in the machine and they don't want you to learn how to bring in business, how to start your own company. They don't even teach you in law school how to set up an LLC, you know? <laughs> like you, you don't learn, you learn how to be an employee. And right. there's nothing wrong with being an employee. That's just not what I wanted. Sure. So right out of law school, I had no job. I was still going to the flea market on weekends to sell car audio to pay off some of my loans. I was working at my other brother's shop in Dalton going up on the weekends and selling speakers rims because that's just what I was good at. Sure. You know, yeah. I'd go in, I'd go in on a weekend, I can make 10, 20 grand on a weekend just because I was good at sales. And I knew the industry like the back of my hand. One thing led to another, and someone told me that you should email every single lawyer that is on the um, it's it's like this list of all of the graduates, right? So uh, all the alum from Georgia State University, I was told I should email them and just take them out to coffee. And they were like, look, if you do this enough, you're going to find an opportunity. Sure enough, I emailed this guy. He's like, hey, let's go to breakfast. At, let's go to grab coffee at 8 a.m. I'm like, I'm finished with school. There's no reason for me to wake up at 8 a.m. But I still showed up and uh, he gave me this, like my first big case to work on. It's a massive case file. Just said, look, take it. I'll advise you and I'll guide you on it, but I'm just going to kind of step back and then I'll give you half of the attorney's fee once it's said and done. Well, I worked on that case for like three or four years and uh, we ended up losing the case, but it taught me a very valuable lesson that if you go out there and get those customers, you, you grab the opportunities, no one can stop you. Yeah. And so out of law school, I looked for opportunities just to learn the personal injury game. And I found a job working uh, at 40 grand a year as an associate attorney with a doctorate in law and a master's in business. That lasted all of 14 months. And then I started my own practice in 2017. So, so here's the thing that I want to point out here, man. And I want to acknowledge you for this because this is the difference, in my opinion, between the successful and the unsuccessful, especially in that context specifically. Like when somebody takes more of the traditional path and they get a law degree or they get some sort of a, they, they get some sort of a certification or degree that kind of separates their qualifications from everybody else. What tends to happen is people adopt this attitude of entitlement rather than the attitude of I'm going to make this happen, which is what 100%. you did. 100%. And, and so you, that's, what, that's what happens when you have a bunch of people who blame the system, you know, come up with every excuse in the world of why they can't be successful. And then they're sitting there working at Burger King a decade after they graduated from law school and are just you know, living on their parents' couch and complaining about life and whining about this and making excuses about that. And it's exactly the thing that you just said, where like you graduated with a doctorate and a master's and you, you decided to work for this other firm at 40 grand a year. Yeah, um, when and all of my that, other friends were making six figures. All yeah, of them. And, and then you were also still hustling to try to find opportunities to pounce on as an attorney yourself. Like that, that's that's the difference. 
is that everybody else wants it to come to them. Like they expect everybody to want to, to, to be with them and hire them. And it's like, well, you're not giving anybody a reason to do those things. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you have to make yourself scarce so that you're more in demand. You have to do that yourself. Just a degree isn't enough anymore. Just a certification isn't enough anymore. Like you have to take it by the horns and take control of your destiny because nobody else is gonna do it for you. You know, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, most of my friends, if they didn't get that six-figure job in that corporate law firm setting, they just kind of said, all right, well, I'll just work in the public area and I'll give them 10 years of my life and then they'll waive my student loan debt. They'll forgive my student loans. I'm like, you want to give up 10 years of your life just to save $100,000 or $200,000 in debt? Right. What is the value of your life? Right. And this is your prime time. Most of us graduated 25, 26. You're telling me from your 20s and 30s, you want to give up that time working in the public sector. And look, if that's what you want to do, there's, dude, more power to you. Yeah, right. No, I yeah, totally you get what you're saying. Yeah. But you, you're not doing that because you want to. You're doing that because it's a safety net. Exactly. You're doing that because it's the easy way out. Yeah. You've and convinced yourself that you want it. For, for 10 years, your total value of your life for that 10 years is half a million dollars. Why don't you go work and get an opportunity with someone and learn the game? You start making half a million dollars in a day, not right. over 10 years. And, right. and I do that now. So this, the, my clients and my friends, not, not my clients, but my friends and colleagues that used to work at these massive firms and used to really think that they were hot shit, now they've realized they're stuck. Right, exactly. They can't go and open up their own firm because you know what? You don't know how to get clients. You don't know how to manage a case from start to finish, especially right. if you're working at these massive firms where you're, treat, you're, you're representing Fortune 500 companies. Dude, you think two or three years in a big firm is going to give you enough experience to learn how to deal with a Fortune 500 company, put them on retainer, sign up the contract, you know, have all of your ducks in a row, set up the trust account, get the LLC. Like, dude, you are in for a world of hurt. Yeah. So yeah. you have to understand, and this is like, this is the big thing. This is the major takeaway. This is the major takeaway that if there's any professionals out there, just to add to what you just said, if you are willing to accept a six-figure job out of law school, or you want to go and work with your MBA or, you know, your medical license in a big firm or a big organization, you are almost giving up the opportunity to start your own business. You have to go through that pain the first year, two years, three years of learning with a small company, all the ins and outs of growing your business, starting your business, acquiring clients, setting up your digital persona, all of this is, is not going to be learned in a big organization. It's like that, what, what Kevin O'Leary said, it's like a salary is the medication that they give to people when they've given up on their dreams. Yeah. It's like the easiest way to make sure that someone stays working in that big firm is to give them a big salary and watch them buy a, a big car, big house, you know, expensive vacations, because now you can't even leave. Yeah, that's but, the problem right there, bro. That, that's, yeah. that, I think, to me, is almost the bigger problem because- you are writing your destiny, like you're carving your destiny into stone when you start leveraging yourself to the hilt like that and you have debt that matches your income or surpasses your income. And now you got to go have a side hustle just to pay your freaking car payment and stuff like that. That's where I think people make the big mistakes because you know, if you, if you can just, if you have a six-figure salary and you live below your means for a decade, you can save up a million bucks. You know, it's just that people don't do that. They get a six-figure salary and then they go get 
two BMWs and they go get a, a $700,000 house and they go buy the watches and the, and the, the, they shop at the nice stores and they eat at the nice restaurants. And then you fast forward the clock 10 years, you got $8,000 a month in, in like your monthly nut that you got to cover, like your total monthly payments. And then your salary is like $8,300 a month. And uh, you have less than 10 grand in your savings account. And now you're stuck. You know, you got, you got three kids, you got, you, you got, you have a spouse, you have people to that depend on you for, for money. And now you have no savings. You don't have any skill except for the one that you get paid for, for your full-time job. And uh, you don't really have any plan for the future, except for hopefully this job that I have has a 401k plan or something like that. And uh, you're, you're giving up all control and allowing other people to, even in the bad spending habits, that's mostly allowing other people to control how you use your money. Because most of the time, people aren't buying that stuff because they want it. They're buying that stuff so that other people think they're cool. And oh, yeah. uh, like their whole life is lived for other people. And then they wonder why they don't have any happiness or fulfillment or they don't enjoy what they do. And it's like, well, because you're not even doing something that you want to be doing. You've been doing something for the last decade that other people wanted you to do, buying stuff that other people think are cool so that you look cool. Like it's all, it's all like for the wrong reasons. And Keeping you, up with the Joneses. Wondering why you're not happy, you know? You know, I, I, I remember when I was getting my MBA, there was this guy that was in law school. So some, some students did the JD MBA where they did law school and business school simultaneously. And uh, this guy, he, his whole, like his whole idea was to just work for a big firm. And so he didn't get a job the first run around. And the thing is, if you miss your opportunity to get a job, a summer internship for these big law corporations, you, you kind of miss out on it. So he decided to get his master's in business just so he could have another year in school so that he can have a second chance, a second bite at the apple. And so, and I'm like, look, cool. Hey, you're getting, you're getting a master's in business just so you know, like you can get that in three years, not four. Cause I did my, both of those degrees in three years. Cause I actually wanted to get my master's in business to see if I could learn something. Not because I wanted to get another opportunity, another bite at the apple, give up another year of my life to get this job. Well, he got a job. They gave him that summer internship. And the moment he got the job offer, I, I looked over at his computer screen because he was so happy. Like he, you could just see it in his face, right? This dude was shopping for a BMW i8 uh, already. Like he was picking out the color. He was picking out the vehicle, like where he wanted it delivered. He was already spending the money that he hasn't even gotten yet. And so I'm like, are you even, we're literally sitting in a business class. Like the fundamental of business is to make money first and then spend it, then invest it. Don't even spend it, invest it. He was spending it first. And that's the biggest problem with people these days is that they want to spend the money to make them look cool. You're absolutely right. You, you want to know what I was doing when I made my first million dollars? What's that? I was still living with a roommate paying $300 a month in rent. I was rent, I, I rented out this townhouse for $1,000 and I needed to make money on everything that I touched. So I rented his portion for $700 and I paid $300 a month in rent. When I made that first million, I didn't go and, you know, spend it on like a, a lavish car, lavish house or any of that. Even after I got married, I still decided to live in an apartment. But what I did do was I made up for lost time. So the very first thing I did was I was like, all right, I'm taking my parents on their first international vacation. You know, I'm going to go and take my parents to pilgrimage to Mecca because that's something that they've been wanting to do their entire lives. You know, I'm going to make sure that my parents feel like I'm taking care of them, bought my mom a brand new Mercedes. Like I took care of the other people first because I knew if I take care of everyone else that matters to me first, 
then I don't feel selfish anymore of doing my own thing. So after I did that, it was kind of like, I mean, I don't know if you're a religious guy, but like I felt like God had opened up, you know, these doors for me and said, look, hey, you did the right thing. You know, you didn't spend on yourself first. You spent on other people. And now these opportunities are just going to come to you. And I feel like that's that's real karma. I have two very crazy stories about how like God intervened right at the moment where I needed it to. Um, and we can, you know, we can say that for another time, but it's, it's so true, man. Like if you take care of people that matter to you, maybe it's just the, the fact that your heart opens up and your mind opens up. So now you're pursuing other opportunities because you're, you don't feel guilty about not taking care of the people that raised you and brought you here. You yeah. know, but that's what I was doing when I made my first million and I kept doing it for the second million and the third million. And then finally, when I got to $10 million, I said, okay, fine, I'll buy a house. Like, yeah, <laughs> like now yeah. I, I guess I can, I can finally treat myself a little bit. But and you it, would have never gotten to the 10 million if you spent the first million on dumb stuff. That, and that, that's all my point. Like I, the thing is, I don't, I don't hate on cool cars or nice stuff. Like I, that's all fine and great. And I'll, I'll drive a really nice car at some point in the future. I'm very sure about, but I, it's just that you got to delay that gratification a little bit longer. The, the longer you delay the gratification, the bigger the reward's going to be on the back end. So that's the big question I think people don't ask themselves enough is like, why am I working? What is the purpose of me working? And uh, a lot of times people don't think about that. Like they're so set on like the 40, 40, 40 plan, you know, 40 hours a week for 40 years and, uh, and then retire 40% off of 40% of your, of your salary or whatever. And like, I just feel like nobody really does the work of like, why am I working again? I'm working so that I can stop working. That's literally the reason to work is so you can stop working. That's what retirement is. You know what I mean? Like when you just spend every dollar that comes in, when do you think you're going to be able to stop working? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be 73 years old and like having to work. I'll probably always work because I enjoy it, but you know what I mean? I don't want to have to work to put food on the table when I'm 70 years old, when I'm when I'm 50, when I'm four, like I, I want to get to those bigger milestones sooner. And it forces me to say no to things right now because I know what I want, you know, later on down the road. So yeah, Travis, I, I don't need to work now. I can leave for six months and come back and there will be millions of dollars of checks on my desk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say that hypothetically because millions of dollars on my desk, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we do digital <laughs> deposits. It's you know? 2021. Yeah, no, we get it. You know it. what I mean? Every, everything is completely <laughs> digitized, but the firm will run perfectly. It'll continue them up. And I've done it. Like I, I now go on trips and go on vacations, you know, with my wife, with my family without telling anyone, because yeah. I don't want, like, I don't want people to think that there's like a vulnerability in my business, but yeah. it still works smoothly. I can go to a, any dealership in the world right now and buy any exotic car that you could possibly imagine, but I don't do it yeah. because that would be really stupid for me to do right now. Instead, I'd rather buy a franchise. I'd rather take that $400,000 that I could buy a Lamborghini with and put it into a franchise that's going to get me some residual income. Exactly. Buy a real estate opportunity. And so it feels good when like I'm training myself to delay that gratification. I've been talking to my wife about getting a Rolls Royce for the longest time. Like, I, just, I just think it's a boss car. Like I yeah. want it. And she knows I can buy it anytime. And she even encourages me. But I'm like, no, I need my investments to pay for that exactly. liability. You know, exactly. And you so can have like, it both ways, right? But yes, one way, one way builds your net worth. The other way subtracts from your net worth. Yeah. So the and car so drives the same though. You hit the nail on the head, bro. Delayed gratification is the name of the game. That's the secret sauce. And sometimes it's not even like 10 years. Sometimes it's like six months of delayed gratification. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like the moment you're like inclined to buy something, 
Just wait. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. Yep. Yeah. Just push That's it off a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, this has been a, such a cool conversation. I, I we're, we're kind of out of time here and I, I, I want to keep talking, but maybe we'll schedule a part two sometime and continue, uh, continue the conversation. But before we peace out here, where do you want people to go connect with you? Well, uh, so check this out. I just decided that I'm going to write a book. I'm 30 years old and uh, I have my book coming out before I turn 31. So you can catch me at CEO Lawyer on social media. I haven't decided on the title or anything. It's just going to be about all these stories, like all the different failed companies and opportunities that I've had that I missed out on, things that worked, things that didn't. And, um, you know, this is just kind of like a little sliver of kind of what we're going to be talking about. There's, there's just so much more, man. Like right now, people know me for my law firm, but I have a media company. I have a capital investment firm. I do coaching and consulting for lawyers and doctors. And I'm just, uh, I just love business, watches and cars. <laughs> if you want to get my attention, talk about business, watches and cars. That's it. You know, uh, you can find me at CEO Lawyer on all social platforms. Your boy just got verified like a couple of days ago. So that was cool. And um, yeah, if you mention this podcast with Travis, I will start that message and I'll personally respond to you. And look, let's, let's connect, let's grow together. You know, your network, your net worth is your network and vice versa. So uh, yeah, I'd love to connect. And that's where you can find me at CEO lawyer on all social media platforms. Awesome. At CEO Lawyer on all social media platforms. Be sure to go over there, check out some of Ali's stuff, give him a follow, give him some love, say what's up, tell him you heard about him here on the show. Ali, thanks so much for coming on, man. Look forward to uh, being able to hang out in person sometime. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.